0: Hello, once again. I'm Chris Wylie, the editor of Citywide Selector, and this is Future Thinking. This new series of podcasts has seen us speak to people from across the industry and even outside of it to get a better steer of what trends will dominate the future. Our first episode featured neuroscientist Dr. Jack Lewis on the science and evolution of thinking, but we we're also looking at how people are thinking differently about major industry trends. Over the coming weeks, you'll hear from boutique founders, thematic investors, and ESG experts to understand what they think will shape the agenda ahead. Today. We are joined by Remy Briand, the head of ESG indexing at MSCI. Remy has been at the forefront of ESG, becoming a mainstream consideration, a point at which he says his night job became a full-time job. In this conversation, which was recorded in Citywise Vauxhall Studios, Remy discusses what is informing the decision-making around ESG in the world of indices, how important it is for the likes of BlackRock to be taking ESG seriously, and perhaps most importantly, what he expects to dominate the agenda in 2030.
1: Welcome to another edition of Future Thinking. With me, Chris Slowly, the editor of Citywide Selector. I'm joined today by Remy Buren, the head of ESG for MSCI. Thank you for joining
2: us. Yeah, thank you very much.
1: We talked before about how ESG is everywhere. It is a huge deal. It's something that asset allocators, asset managers, fund selectors all have to deal with. There's a weight of information, so why not better to go to the people who are producing huge amounts of data, providing a lot of help of MSCI. So thank you again. Um, what I was hoping to get into with this is what the future can hold for ESG in an index sense of things. We've heard a lot about where it will be on the active side. So when we're discussing its growth, can you talk about how ESG has grown in indices and where it's likely to go?
2: Yeah, so definitely the, um, uh, the growth in, in ESG indices adoption you know, has gone really uh, through the roof, honestly. Uh, it's, um, uh, to give us, uh, you a sense, the... Uh, the clear or the easiest uh, part of the market to measure is the ETF market, and uh, the amount of money that has been put uh, on ESG indices uh, last year was double the the year before. So, so the amount of uh, money flowing into ETFs linked to ESG indices is really. Uh, increasing quite dramatically. It yeah.
1: seems quite exponential. It seems like it's going up and up. Is there a point where you think it will be almost peak, or there'll be a point where, um, I think I said in the questions, where it will become mainstream to the point that we don't need separate ESG
2: focus? Yeah. So we're still very far from um, the peak in the sense that um, you know the the positive is is the growth, but the level is still relatively. Uh, low compared to the market cap indices. So, so, uh, but eventually, it's our view. Uh, we think that you know most of uh, the money will go into uh, ESG options, if you want, to the point that if you project, you know, into maybe five years, uh, we think that you know when there will be discussion, for example, uh, with uh, you know, wealth manager with their clients that. The discussion will be more that maybe some clients will opt out of ehd as opposed to today where the discussion is more the client raising their hand and saying uh, i want an ehd options we we think that over time this will flip so we're still not there yet but the level of momentum if you want we see Across the entire industry, including you know wealth manager and their clients, um, we think that it, it is going to happen in the next five years. Well, somebody sure. also uh,
1: mentioned it to me in the terms of it being like a, almost a style, it, with the sense of you want a you want an equity fund or an equity tracker, but you want value, you want growth, and so there might still be people who want an equity fund, but they want ESG, they want ESG overlay. So, I mean, is that something that is even we work towards now, or is that? Sorry, this is I'm thinking aloud, so yeah. to speak. But it seems like there could be an opportunity for, as you said, people to
2: opt out would be quite interesting. E- exactly. So, so our view is is that um, right now, if if you if you want uh, a lot of wealth, organization are building. Model portfolio, or at least reference portfolio, that you know would be the sort of default, you know, in in a discussion with a client. Uh, today, those portfolios are not incorporating ESG by default, um, but you know, going forward, we think that you know the equity portion will have uh, a, a range of of components, active and passive, that would be ESG, uh, and same for the the fixed income part. So, so, so you can really today already, by the way, uh, you can have a um, uh, a total portfolio, uh, equity, bond, where uh, you can have the core allocation you know, into indices like um, you know the SG leaders on equity and the equivalent on, on, on fixed income. So it's totally doable today to have 100% of your money uh, with an ESG overlay uh, and 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 with instruments if you want that are not very of uh, uh, um, uh, specialized or narrow and hence very volatile. You, you can have essentially very core locations if you're on very diversified and uh, owning almost the entire market. If
1: you One thing we've heard though that has been an impediment and could continue to be an impediment is the lack of standard definitions. Mm-hmm. And I hosted a round table in this room, in fact, where a number of fund selectors said that they would actually prefer an asset management driven definition. And that would perhaps preclude people like MSCI or other index providers from being able to develop that because it may be... I think the essence of it was they didn't want something fixed on them. They wanted to develop them something themselves that they all collectively agreed with. Is that a conversation you've heard? And what role can MSCI actually play in steering the future of ESG
2: at industry level? Mm-hmm. So we're in a, still in a relatively new field. So a lot of people have different views. But we're in a, in a system where essentially... Uh, people have the choice to choose the solution that they think are the right one, right? And and so in in that exercise of finding what is the appropriate approach, uh, you know, we've taken a, a, a stance for many years. You know, I've been in charge of that business for the last ten years, and 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 we've always been quite clear that you know the the, the ESG. Uh, signals if you want that we build you know with our ratings are really meant to solve a long term financial question right so it's really about identify you know uh, looking at the companies and identifying the either the risk ESG link risks or the opportunities so you know green business opportunity for example um, uh, that you know will affect those those companies so so it's not about uh, a way, a better way to do philanthropy. You know, it's really about you know understanding the strategy of the businesses, their main risk, how they deal with their clients, uh, how they deal with stakeholder in general. So, so, so that uh, philosophy, if you want, has been the one that you know has been driving us, and that has resonated quite a lot. You know, with with you know investment managers because yeah. it's solving for a very similar problem. So, so that's why there, there's been. Uh, momentum, if you want, you know, in in getting in solutions like that, and that's why, um, you know, it's good to have standards, but you know, you can't dictate a standard. You know, essentially, you know, in a world where people make. Decisions by themselves, the standards is the result of these individual decisions, and we're getting towards there. You know, we're, uh, for example, uh, we're by far the largest no ESG ratings provider. We're by far the largest no ESG uh, index provider, and that's not because. Uh, it's been dictated, uh, but it's really because we offer a solution that people are comfortable with. Right? You,
1: you mm. talked about you've been doing this 10 years, and this has evolved. And it, I mean, it sounds quite naive, but in the past two years that we've been covering it, it's exploded in mm-hmm. interest. Over that 10-year period, how much has it changed for you personally? I mean, you we, we joked beforehand that you had a day job and a night job. Yeah. When did that switch to being a full-time job,
2: yeah. and, and how much will that progress? Yeah, so it switched to be full-time three years ago. Uh, and, and clearly, the, the, the difference between today and 10 years ago is 10 years ago, you had m- most of the time spent with clients would be, or investors in general, would be Uh, To explain the concept, you know, what we just covered, which is the fact that it's about solving for a long term financial assessment, uh, introducing the concept and then answering the second question so the first question is what it is right and the second yeah. question was am i going to lose money by you know following an esg strategy so so that was mostly the nature at that time so today uh, you know the you know those questions are coming a bit less and it's a lot more about the implementation so so it's not so much oh do i really need to think about esg or you know am i going to lose money i think there's um, there's been quite a lot of studies that you know address those points, so this is less of an issue. The issue is more: how can I build a portfolio? Uh, how can I? Um, engineer certain climate outcomes uh, out of the portfolio, you know, reducing emissions, etc. So, so it's a lot more on on implementation today than on introducing the concepts.
1: How helpful is it for you with companies like BlackRock saying this is a fundamental reshaping of finance and, and putting genuine weight behind what they're doing? Does that make your job easier,
2: or would you rather that you had more of a strategic sh- steer, or even worked with them to develop it? So, so clearly, you know, this is a message that we've been. Um, you know, essentially broadcasting and trying to convince people that, that that's the case for many many years. So, so when um, an institution like Ballacrack is is embracing this, which again is 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 not a new concept for them. You know, I think they just reinforce recently their their commitment. So, so we think that helps for sure because uh, it's you know another element of alignment, if you want, where uh, between. Uh, You know, all the industry players, you know, ratings provider, index creator, and then, you know, uh, 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 fund provider, there's a little bit of an alignment on on saying that, you know, this uh, concept uh, makes sense and you can actually today implement, you know, it in a way that is scalable and and works, right? So it's not theory.
1: So you started in 2010. It's 2020 now. If we were having this conversation in 2030, what would you have hoped to have achieved?
2: So so I, th- I think, again, uh, will the, this opt-in, uh, opt-out will be done. I, I really think that at that time, pretty much, you know, your portfolios will be ESG. Uh, there will be uh, a lot more clarity on the outcomes, the ESG outcomes that you would expect, you know, out of your total allocations, for example. So at that time, for example, the climate dimension will be, uh, very much explicit. So you know, each fund manager will have had you know a chance to explain their strategy. They would have. Uh, essentially, modify their portfolio in order to help. You know, uh, in this path to reduce emissions, and uh, and so those would be things that would be at that time implemented, as opposed to being worked on, as as is the case today. Similarly, uh, we share very much you know the view uh, that you know Mark Carney is putting out that you know every single. Uh, investor or every single financial uh, player needs to take climate into account in their uh, day-to-day decisions. And and again, today it's probably not the case fully, uh, but we would expect that for sure in 2030 that would be uh, something that is uh, completely embedded in the the process, right? Banks, insurance companies, investors, wealth managers, everyone fingers
1: crossed. Thank you very much, Remy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.
0: A lot to take in there from Remy, but I'm sure plenty of people with their eyes on ESG will be listening keenly to see how that can inform their own decision-making. Next time, we'll hear from Rahul Bouchan, who, along with three others, left their jobs at Legal & General to launch their own boutique with the intention of reshaping the ETF industry. You can find these podcasts on Spotify and iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, so please make sure to like and subscribe. Thank you.